0: To resident resident residential tech to smart smart Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. This week, Bill Scare joins us from Dallas, Texas, where he is CEO of Bill Scare Home Theater and Technology. Bill is one of the pioneers of the Cedia Trade Association and its expo and a major participant in the custom integration community. He also serves as a, a member of the Trade Association's Global Board of Direc- Directors. Bill's dedication to the industry has earned him both a CDF Fellow and a CDA Lifetime Achievement Award, and he's one of the friendliest people in the residential tech business. Bill Scare, great to see you again. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Always great to see you, Jeremy.
0: Bill, you've been on my list too. Uh, <laughs> chat with for a while. And I was saving the interview for when I had uh, a need to just sit back and listen to somebody talk because you can talk and I love to listen <laughs> listen to the things you have to say. And uh, your your industry history is just great. You got a lot of really awesome stories and being a Texan storytelling is just in your blood, I think. So uh, it's great to have you on the podcast to, to
1: chat. Thank you. Looking forward to it.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> We uh, we saw each other at CDA Expo in, in Indianapolis. we were uh, some of the few that actually were able to make it in. We had so much attrition with the manufacturers uh, dropping out because of the Delta variant, and it, it was just great to to see you and other familiar faces who were able to 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 make it out and and mask up and be be safe. And and I, I had one of my best moments of the show when when I saw you uh, with your badge, your custom made badge that said. This is me without a mask. So (laughs) congratulations for the great idea.
1: (laughs) Well, I kept thinking about how will anybody ever recognize me if they can't see me? So I decided that would be pretty funny. And next year, I'm gonna uh, hopefully go the other direction and I'll say, this is me with the mask next year, so. <laughs>
0: I think that'll be great. I, I hope <laughs> I hope we're past the mask phase at that point in time. Uh, yeah, we've all, we've been, uh, I think we've, we've talked about how y- you and uh, Rich Green are, are great uh, badge ribbon wearers and you've had so many volunteer roles over the years and have attended so many events. Rich just has like this ridiculous, you know, long, thing that he, he wears just for the humor i think but uh yeah it's it, fun i
1: i've trimmed down so and i'm not not carrying quite as much weight as i used to
0: yeah yeah you don't have it you don't have anything to curve it over to keep it from dragging on the floor so you keep that bad short right well,
1: well you get really accustomed to flinging it over your shoulder so oh. uh, you can take care of business
0: <laughs> well <laughs> hey um you know it's been a few weeks since cedia expo so i don't i don't want to go too too much into it because uh it's it's a bit old news at this point but um if if you could just uh recall what why are you happy that you were actually able to attend cedia expo despite the all the manufacturers so many manufacturers not being there and a lot of attendees who couldn't make it uh what was maybe a highlight or something you felt just really good about having been there for
1: well, we started the association's first uh, expo in 1989 in Amelia Island, Florida, and I have not missed one since. So, even the virtual one last year, I went to. Uh, it was not nearly as satisfying um, for me because I'm a people person. So, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't. Uh, I was not going to miss my very first opportunity back to be able to be around all my friends and all the people that we love so much from the industry. So it was. It was good for me. I was going to. I'm, I'm an obsessive compulsive germaphobe anyway. So mm. for me, uh, I'm uh, always wrapped up in plastic and <laughs> uh, <laughs> covered up in, in hand sanitizer and all that sort of thing. So, so to me, it didn't seem like it was going to be that big a deal. But I, I'm thrilled that we actually got, got to at least get off some of some part of the show. So I think we had about 70 uh, to 74 manufacturers, something like that. And I think uh, Emerald is saying they had around 1,400 members uh, or uh, attendees, which is uh, probably not far off of what I saw. And um, but there was a lot of space between us and it gave us the opportunity to wear our masks around. And when we got up close to people, we could uh, have a conversation when it came time for that millions of uh, different pictures that we all took together. Then uh, off came the mask for a brief second, jumped in there, got the picture, jumped back out. And so all all things considered, I'm really, really pleased we went.
0: Yeah, I was happy to be there. Uh, it was a local trip for me. I could just drive 30 minutes downtown to get there and a lot less pressure having that not be a flight and the investment being uh, minimal. But it was great to see, frankly, a lot of local dealers that were there. If you weren't from the Indy area, you may not recognize that. But I did see a lot of folks who were able to just come in there. And I think it kind of turned into almost like a CDA Tech Summit uh, type right. of event, just a little more spread out. Maybe it's a bit expensive for a tech summit for some of those manufacturers <laughs> that, that stuck it out. But Um, some of them were just happy that they were able to connect with the, with the folks that they were and, and keep up the tradition of being there in person.
1: Um, the manufacturers that I talked to all felt like they, uh, uh, were going to come because I talked to a lot of them before they, before the show and, uh, a lot of them were asking, well, should we go? And I told them, well, I, I think it's simply, uh, whatever your comfort level is, but I think, uh, as history goes on, uh, or as we look back over time, I think it would be great to be able to say I was one that uh, even in the worst of times uh, in COVID era, uh, I still showed up and, and showed my support for the association and for the industry. So I think that was, that was a big part of it. But I think the manufacturers in general got to spend a lot more time with people than they ordinarily would individually. Yeah. And I think that the people who were attending uh, got a chance to spend a lot of time with key People from all these manufacturers, and so all things considered, I think it was really a great show.
0: Do you, as a member of the global board of directors, um, have any personal concerns about the future of in-person events, or do you think that there's still always going to be a contingent of people who want to have those those uh, actual physical encounters and see the product up close? And you know, maybe there's going to be games. any change.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I don't don't think that's going to change because the enthusiasm we saw from those who were there and the uh, the people that we talked to afterwards who were so sorry that they couldn't be there. I think that these shows are really, really good for us to be able to uh, network, get to see people that we've known for the last 30 years. And that's one of the things that's always kind of interesting to me is when we talk about uh, a younger generation that doesn't have uh, as much interest in being uh, in person for education and for um, these shows. I think that's absolutely wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, every time that I have an opportunity to spend time with a younger person who comes to the shows, and they get a, uh, an opportunity to sort of see that they're in a non-competitive environment where you can, uh, you can meet a whole bunch of people from other parts of the country that over time you'll be able to reach back out to and, and ask if you have any particular questions of something that you may not necessarily want to, uh, to run by your local competitor. Right. And So I think all of those things that when, when they get the opportunity, when they're exposed to these things, they're just as excited uh, about them as those of us who've been around for a while. So I, I don't think uh, in person should go away. I don't think they're. Uh, the, I think the very moment we can get uh, our very first tech summits off and and other shows like that, I think we're going to be pretty happy about it. So I think I think this is a bump in the road. It's a big long one, but it, I think it's a bump in the road, and we'll get on with it pretty soon.
0: Yeah, I, I I've been concerned over the years that uh, attendance sort of flattens out and doesn't really grow um, at expos, but the, the, the folks that go and and, the, and that kind of thing that you, you kind of catch that fever wanting to be there after you've been there once it's uh it's that encounter with your with your peers like you said um, even the buying group meetings that that occur uh, those are a little bit more intimate but you you're sitting there at a lunch or a dinner or something you kind of share war stories from the industry and and have uh, shared experiences that you can't get when you don't When with an email or something like that, it's just not the same thing uh, to be able to share those those helpful hints and uh, pieces of advice from folks who have been through the same kind of experiences you've
1: been through. Um, you think about this year for the uh, for the board now, I have been this is let's see. uh, After this term, I will have served 15 years on the board and you have to be off three years, a minimum between each time, which uh, I'm beginning to feel like that uh, one of those. congressmen or senators that we just wish would go away <laughs> but uh, but I think the biggest thing for me is that I uh, know the integration market and the people who are involved in it and I advocate every day for uh, education and for our our uh, integrator members. Uh, we love our manufacturer members we love all the other uh, members but at the same time, my job is as an integrator on the board is to uh to really advocate for us and i think that's one of the things that uh uh, over the last year and a half i guess that i've been back on the board i would say uh, we had our very first meeting was in january of 2020 and uh, we actually got that off in person which worked out pretty well Mm -hmm. but then right after we got that one off COVID struck. And Mm -hmm. so since then, we've been in tiny boxes. And so we've been, uh, standing there, uh, or sitting there staring at each other in these tiny boxes. And so I would say that this is probably the very worst experience I've ever had on the CDA board. Uh, and, uh, my fellow board members would probably agree, although it doesn't sound like the nicest uh, comment, (laughs) but it's simply because we haven't had an opportunity to be able to be in those rooms together and really, uh, Uh, and we're spending tremendous amounts of time on, uh, in these tiny boxes. Uh, so I think we're, we're doing our jobs. No question about that, but it's just not the same personal experience. And so I think that's the same thing when, then when people uh, come to the shows, they get an opportunity to spend time with other people. They get a chance to, uh, to interact, then they go back. And so, so I think that's, that's the same experience I'm having in the, uh, uh, in the um, Zoom and uh, all the different uh, type of uh, meetings, is it's just not quite as exciting, not quite as fulfilling. I think, but uh, but we're we're going to climb back out of this hole, so it's going to be okay.
0: Give give us a little insight into what it's like to attend a board meeting. What what sort of business does a board a CDA board cover typically in these meetings, w- whether in person or virtual? um i i've i've been to one in my whole career i've only been to one i was invited specifically to it here in indy and uh it wasn't the entire meeting i, I was there for part of it and in and out for different things that i couldn't really be privy to uh I'm, I'm on an hoa board i'm president of hoa so i know how those meetings go um but what without having the expo as part of the responsibility of the association now since it's owned by emerald um are you mostly talking about educational opportunities then and other membership type uh, uh, benefits or what would you typically cover?
1: Yeah, I think I was there that time you uh, got a chance to duck in there. So it's uh, it's it's funny uh, um, that uh, if you just come from one board meeting sometime or you just get that opportunity just to duck in and duck out, you don't really see all the work mm-hmm. that everybody's doing on your behalf. And. So we're discussing uh, things like uh, we're getting updates on uh, things like what's going on with uh, our uh, government affairs. So Darren Raymond is the greatest asset we have in Cedia, no question about it. He has an opportunity to work with all the different state houses across the United States uh, and is incredibly well respected by these folks. So now, uh, as as compared to back in the old days, uh, these people didn't know who we were. Well, now when legislation comes up, they call Darren and ask for a position on it Mm. uh, so that that stuff is pretty important to the U.S. Now, we are a global organization, uh, but uh, we haven't been able to expand our uh, government affairs uh, to nearly the same scale worldwide as we have been for the U.S. But that's those days will come. Uh, But for right now. Uh, we're keeping up with what's going on and uh, trying to decide if there's something that we need to do to react to uh, specific things. Like you say, education is an enormous part of what we're doing now. Uh, we're still working uh, on workforce development. As a matter of fact, in the U.K., they uh, have just gotten um, to uh, a new program where they're going to be able to do apprenticeships in the U.K. It's a little bit more... Um, uh, technical here in the US but they're but we're working on the same sort of uh things there. Uh, of course we still have our tech summits. We have the uh, ISE CDIA uh, and Infocom or Avixa own 50% of that show each. So between the two of us we own the uh the ISE show and uh that has been an extraordinarily successful show for us and will continue to be as soon as we can get everybody back in into one giant room again. So uh, there's a lot that we have on our plate but it's all uh, the conversations uh, seem to s- spend all all of our time on what's right for our members how can we deliver more uh, benefits and you know we're always looking for more ideas and so if anybody has uh, specific uh, uh, ideas of things that uh, we could do to, to deliver more value to the menu, uh, to our members then by all means uh, Text me, uh, email me, uh, call me. Uh, let me know what you've got. But that's that, those are the kind of things we're always working on. Just trying to make the industry a little bit better and more stable for for all of us. And I think that one of the things that I learned a long time ago that was kind of interesting was that uh, you'd think the American Medical Association, the AMA, would have all of the doctors as uh, as members in that uh, in their organizations, and uh, but they have about 17% of doctors, or, uh, and that turns out that's not far off of what we make up also. So of the people who are actively, uh, involved in the integration market, then we have about 17%, uh, give or take, uh, of those people that are actually engaged in this market. We'd love to have a lot more of them because things like those, uh, the job that Darren does out there working on behalf of the, uh, members for, um, in various, uh, uh, legislatures all over the country, those things don't just benefit CDA members, that benefits the industry. And so a number of years ago, we switched over from calling ourselves a trade association to an industry association. So even if people are not members of the association, which we want all of them that we can get, but even if they're not, we're still working on their behalf, uh, whether they know it or not. And
0: I know that there's, uh, a a vacuum at the leadership side uh, at this point with the association only uh, because there's a search in uh, underway for the CEO. If you had, and this may be awkward for you because as a member of the board, you may not be able to speak on this, but if you had your Drethers as a member of the board, as a member of the uh, industry, as to whether you find uh, uh, someone who's really specifically suited to being a trade association CEO or someone from the industry, What do you think would be better for the Cedia um, Association?
1: Well, I'm not sure if you can really split it like that because the way we, um, the way that it's having to be looked at is industry, but it's got to be industry with a strong focus on our trade organization also. So, so it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting uh, conversation going back and forth. Now, the, uh, the search team has been working pretty uh, has been working very hard on this for uh, most of a year and a lot of that time it was taken up in deciding exactly what was it that we were looking for and so uh, we took a lot of input from a lot of different places and uh, everybody gave uh, all they could to the uh, search firm uh, and then uh, the uh, the committee that's been working on this has been working closely with the search firm. And they've come up with the best uh, candidates for us to be able to uh, to uh, sit in front of us. So uh, coming up very shortly, we're right at the very end of this uh, this search. Finally, mm-hmm. uh, nobody thought it would take this long to to uh, get this done. But I think this time we're uh, well. Not that we have not always been really careful about the, the choices, but uh, but we are working very very hard to get the best choice for the association and for the industry right now so uh, in the next couple of days we're going to have uh, uh, an update on uh, that from uh, the search group and um, so really looking forward to that so I would say everybody just hold on we're almost there uh, it's taken a long time to get here but but we're gonna have some we're gonna have the right person and we're going to do everything we can do to train them uh, whether they're from the industry or whether they're not. Uh, If they're the right fit, then we're going to do everything we can do to get them uh, as excited about the industry as we are.
0: We'll continue our conversation with Bill Scare after the break. Founded in 2005 by a team of highly skilled audio veterans, Wet Sounds is an award-winning Texas-based marine audio company bringing a level of performance, style, and durability unparalleled in the audio industry. Wet Sounds is proud to introduce you to the Venue Series 110V 1200 Watt 4-Channel Amplifier System. The VS-1200 Amplifier was specifically designed to power Venue Series products while utilizing a 110 Volt power source. Included is the vs LS-ENC, a purpose-built landscape enclosure designed to house the Wet Sounds VS-1200 Amp with a plug-and-play media center in harsh outdoor environments. Learn more, visit wetsounds.com. Welcome back. I'm Residential Tech Today Executive Editor, Jeremy Glowacki, and I'm talking with Bill Scare, CEO of Bill Scare Home Theater and Technology in Dallas, Texas. Bill, uh, you and I have been talking about the industry and about Cedia Expo. And the one thing, if uh, folks don't know you, uh, which I'd be surprised if anybody doesn't know you at this point, but but, uh, I'd love to just start going back in time and discuss when it was and how it was that you got into this industry in the first place, way, way back when, um, before I knew you, uh, what, what was that step, um, coming out of, uh, were you in the air force? Was it yes. the, in the military? Okay. So you're in the yeah, air management force analyst. Okay. So you had a tech tech experience there. It sounds like, um,
1: well t- tech is kind of funny when you think back about, about the air force in, uh, a few years ago, when I was in it, uh, so uh, uh, <laughs> the Air Force is the, one of those highly technical uh, organizations on the planet now. Uh, but even back in the day, we had uh, a lot of incredible firepower, but uh, we didn't have computers back then. We okay. didn't have all the the really amazing things that we have to to work with now. But I actually what. Uh, My dad had a TV shop back when I was about 11 years old. So Hmm. uh, he was not one of those uh, fellows that was likely to let you hang around the house. And so um, what he needed was somebody to to wipe down the TVs uh, that were on his uh, show floor. He had uh, somebody he needed somebody to go out and help uh, install antennas and deliver TVs. And so from the time I was 11 years old, I've been engaged with, uh, uh, what we would call video now, but we were in the TV business, uh, back then. So after I left and went to the air force, uh, I came back and, and thought, uh, I don't really know what I wanted to do. It looked like I had to do something right away to be able to, uh, to eat. Uh, otherwise this was going to get pretty, pretty rough. So, uh. I got into. I went to work for a company called Woolco, which was a um, a giant uh, um, store, kind of like a Kmart, but it was by owned by Woolworths, and they uh, uh, had me selling video recorders and appliances and all sorts of things. And what we feel uh, figured out pretty quickly was that people were not able to uh, to install them and they weren't able to run them because it was such an interesting, different technology. You know, it's kind of funny. I tell people, you push the tape in, you push the top down, uh, and, uh, then you go in there and, um, you turn that varactor dial to whatever channel you want and you push those two big buttons, but, uh, it escaped people. They, Mm -hmm. they really didn't get it. And so we started doing video recorder installations for about $30. Um, and, uh, so what we would do is go out and show them how to use it and install it. And, and that was uh, pretty great until we found out that most people didn't have antennas that were worth a flip. So we started into doing television antennas, which led us to satellite dishes, which led us to uh, audio, which led us to all of these things, lighting control and motorized shades. And uh, all these things that have come along over the years have just been, uh, uh, have allowed it to be the most creative and exciting industry I can ever imagine having been in because it's always changing. And so that's why I feel like there'll always be a need for a Cedia Uh, because that's because it's 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 uh, you've got to be constantly learning in order to be able to stay up with what's going on. So now that we're doing um, um, voice recognition and all these kind of things, it's uh, it's got to be pretty exciting. So uh, for me, it was not I didn't make the decision one day to suddenly uh, go into this business because because when I started it, it there really wasn't one. Okay. And so, um, we'd been in business for about 10 years when, uh, when Cedia came along and when we got the opportunity, to, uh, to start Cedia, uh, uh, so <laughs> Tom Doherty and, uh, and Chris Stevens were really the, the, the big, uh, movement uh, toward this, but I got to be at the second meeting. And then uh, from that point on, I've never looked back. And, uh, so I, I think that, that, like I say, I had done this for quite a long time before. And so I was an old guy in the industry when we first started this. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. And I'd say um, I'd say that's one of the things that we work on really hard now is to try to get young people into the industry but uh, because it really is a viable, real uh, career path. Yeah. And because I've done this for uh, 42 years at this point and um, so that's a pretty long career to be in the same thing same industry
0: well yeah it's it's treated you well apparently and uh one of the things I always hear about and um have have shared with you as well it were the famous barbecues when Cedia would be in in the dallas uh downtown area and you you lived nearby and could could host folks and have uh have barbecue so um, yeah, that was
1: kind of fun because in '92 they had uh, uh, we'd just come to Dallas for the first time, and and that Frank White character uh, <laughs> was sitting at a table at the Flamingo Hilton, I think it was in one of those clamshell uh, booths, and that was saying, "Hey, you uh, CD is going to be in Dallas next year. Why don't we uh, uh, have a big party at your house?" And I was thinking, "Well, that'd be fine." And he said, "Maybe we can do a couple hundred manufacturers." Well, that was cute. But we ended up with about 1,100 people over at the house uh, wow. the first time. <laughs> and uh, so in, it was such a great success in 92 that we decided to do it again in 93. And we ended up with 2,100 of our closest friends over for dinner. And um, and so we then we rented an old ghost town the next year in 94. Uh, uh, four, um, and in 94, we had about 3,600 people come. And we did insane things like we had a helicopter flying alongside the buses that was uh, uh, it was had a signboard on the side that flashed "Welcome to Dallas, Cedia." We had uh, a ten-piece brass band. It was Bill Tillman that used to be the lead sing- uh, saxophonist for Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Mm-hmm. You know, we had uh, we made our own casino and printed our own money. We did all kinds of crazy things, and the. And the, the RunCo quad stack is what everybody always talks about, is that those four projectors that we synced together on a 25-foot screen, that, uh, that was really a big deal. So, yeah, that was, that was pretty crazy. So we, we thought, okay, 95, somebody else will do one. Well, nobody did. So in 96, the last year we were in Dallas, then uh, I decided, all right, I got one more in me. So we uh, rented Old City Park in downtown Dallas, and we had um, about 4,500 people come. And, uh, oh, there's things like all the, the same things everybody had done before, but we added Velcro Olympics and, <laughs> you know, all kinds of ridiculous things. But it, get, it it let Cedia become known as the place that was uh, a party. It was a mm-hmm. lot of fun. So there was it wasn't just uh, booths. It wasn't just looking at product. It wasn't just uh, education, but it was an opportunity for uh, people to develop relationships and get together. Because I wouldn't let anybody wear a badge. Uh, at any of the shows, uh, or at any of the parties, because I wanted to introduce them all. So we did everything we could possibly do to to let to introduce people from all over the world. And uh, I still have a bottle, interestingly enough, of uh, sake in my refrigerator that uh, a gentleman from Japan brought over in '92 because he was so humbly uh, uh, pleased and impressed that I had invited him to uh, 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 my home for a party that he brought me a bottle of sake that I've never wow. opened. <laughs>
0: oh, that's sweet. Well, so, uh,
1: unfortunately, cool.
0: unfortunately for me, uh, your last party was the first CDA that I attended. So I, w- oh. I wasn't privy to that, but uh, I got all the stories, but what I did get to experience was when you created the, the, um, famous, infamous, whatever you want to call it, fly in home theater, um, oh, yeah. concept, which was the fact that you're, um, you're a pilot, a licensed pilot, and uh, I've talked to you a couple times about flying. And one of the things I learned from you was the tolerance of these planes and how uh, you know I, I was a little, I guess, shaken by maybe some turbulence coming in or something. He said, you know, these these commercial airlines they they can take a lot more than you realize, and and so you kind of went into how hard you can slam a plane down if you're landing it by yourself with you got customers in the back, you're not going to do that. And, and ever, ever since then, I've felt so much more comfortable flying. (laughs) So thank you for that. But back to the fly in home theater, you had a a hangar out uh, at an airport there um, in Dallas, where you also had a theater demo space that you could fly in uh, customers who had their own planes, I guess. Is that the
1: concept there? Well, we did. We had uh, two airplanes that we flew. Uh, One that was more for uh, landing on unimproved strips at ranches and things like that, where we uh, did uh, projects, and we could do a service call in, uh, you you know, uh, in an hour and a half or something to South Texas instead of having to. uh, Uh, drive for six hours or something Mm. to get down there. We'd just take a a quick flight down, take whatever we needed with us, and we would uh, get the customer back up and running in a way or add the new equipment or whatever we needed to do. So that was pretty great. And then we uh, were lucky enough to have uh, been contacted by uh, the fellow that used to be president of Walmart. Uh, Jack Shoemaker, many years ago, and he passed away several years back, which was uh, tragic, but he'd been a customer for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, he liked us because we could be from our office here in Mesquite, Texas, outside of Dallas, uh, all the way to his place uh, in uh, Bentonville, uh, Arkansas, in an hour and a half. Wow. And so it was difficult to get to the other side of Dallas in an hour and a half, much less <laughs> to Bentonville, Arkansas. Sure. But uh, so what? What happened with the uh, in theater was uh, we had purchased a few large uh, hangars at the airport, and uh, and so Cat uh, came along, Brian Barr and and uh, Michael Barr, and they wanted to do uh, some really ridiculous uh, theater. So we built what would be over a million dollar theater in our hangar uh, at the Mesquite Airport. And so um, it took me about nine months. And I'd done a lot of theaters uh, before that, and I'd done a lot of cat theaters before that, but I'd never gone as far as we went with this one. And so we spent. Uh, we had fifteen thousand pounds of steel in it, I and mean, it was just the whole thing was just uh, so over the top. But it, uh, but what it did give us was uh, an extraordinary uh, look at what it takes to really do a great uh, uh, home theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that uh, there were seventy five drivers in there. Uh, it was uh, you know every there. It took six uh, computers with microphones every place and and several days for us to be able to tweak that thing in after we finally got it all done. But we learned so much from doing it. So instead of trying to figure out how we're gonna sell that many theaters to, to, uh, to every individual customer, we decided to open it up to anybody that was at that time uh, more than 100 miles away from us. Mm. And so we had people coming from Austin and from all over the country that would uh, fly their customers uh, in uh, and we would do a, a half an hour, I mean, a half of a day session, morning, afternoon or evening session. And we would just uh, explain to their builder, architect, designer and, and, the, and the family what it is a home theater should be like and what it took to actually create something like that. And so people would pay us four thousand dollars a session uh, for me to do my presentation on all of the stuff that was in there. But we weren't really trying to sell specific equipment. As much as we were selling the concept of what it is that that their rooms could be, so as it turned out, most of the theaters uh, built uh, uh, after people had visited there were four hundred thousand and up, because they really understood what it what it took to create that sort of a, an experience, and that that's really what it is. It's an experience.
0: Yeah, it was quite an experience for sure. I loved it. Um, now in in recent years you you've you kind of changed uh career path a little bit. You're um you're obviously running what I said Bill Scare home theater and technology. Um you're you've done some um some
1: sales rep uh work in the past as well, correct? You've kind of Well, evolved. what I've done So after I sold the company in um um 2014 Uh, I had uh, a little money in my pocket and so I decided to invest in a couple of different companies. And uh, and then I took over uh, uh, another manufacturer when they were bringing uh, kind of resurrecting a a manufacturer and uh, I did everything from design their, uh, their programs for returns to shipping to, I mean, everything we started with nothing. We, we had a fully functional company after uh, a year worth of uh, a lot of hard work. And so, I've also helped a number of companies in the meantime with um, uh, on a consulting basis, helping them uh, get their products in front of a lot more people. And so that that has been actually an awful lot of fun and has given me an opportunity to be able to really know a lot more, um, a lot more of the industry. Um, So uh, now what I do is I still am. I still juggle a lot of different uh, companies and helping other people get in this business. But now I have, uh, start, well, uh, seven years ago I started another company, uh, that was the Bill Scare home theater and technology just to be able to do smaller projects okay. because a lot of the projects that we used to do were three and four year long projects. And, mm. and, uh, as, as great as they were because they got us on the cover of every magazine out there. Uh, and story after story, after story about our projects, that was awesome. Except for now I don't have any, I don't have the same passion for doing those projects that are going to take that long anymore. So now what I do is on a much, much smaller scale. And I I, I jokingly tell everybody I don't work with anybody that I don't like. Hmm. And so, uh, it's, Kind of a, a great place to be, yeah. but it, what it uh, all that really is to say that I've just decided to work with uh, a little bit uh, with projects that move along faster and with people that I really enjoy now.
0: We we uh, we're talking a little bit obviously at the beginning about CD Expo. It wasn't the best place to see trends or observe technology trends this year, just because the lack of companies there. But with you still working on these projects and. Being a member of CDS board and observing everything, where um, are some of the trends that you're looking at, in either in your projects or maybe just colleagues that you know in the industry who are doing things? You mentioned voice control earlier. What are some of the other developing product uh, technology uh, trends that you you can kind of say are, are are making an impact or maybe well, potentially there, there are a lot
1: of things <clears throat> there are a lot of things out there that I think are are very valuable for us and and uh, when we started doing lighting control, it was, uh, gosh, in the '80s. So, uh, so it's really interesting to see where we are with lighting control nowadays. But because it's something that is wildly more attainable mm-hmm. uh, uh, for my private, uh, my previous clients, they had to be the uber wealthy to be able to afford uh, projects like what we did for their lighting control. And to be perfectly honest, when I first started doing it, I was not all that. Uh, I wasn't sold on it as much, and so uh, one of the manufacturers said, uh, here, I'm going to give you this great uh, price but uh I, you've got to have this in your home mm. so once i put it in my own home and started living with it, i can't even imagine how anybody could live without lighting <laughs> control anymore but so lighting control is a big part of it but what we weren't the there was a always a missing piece in there and that has been the fixtures and so we had to to rely on uh designers uh, or electricians, or others, let's just say others, to go find uh, the light fixtures that we were ultimately going to control. And so what that led to uh, is a situation where you end up, you could have some uh, flickering and different situations where the um, the lights don't, uh, they weren't, well, they've come a long way now, but they weren't very good at dimming. And mm-hmm. so now dimming is such an important part that uh, that uh, we're able to, to marry up the appropriate light fixtures with the appropriate lighting system and the lighting scheme that you want for whatever room that you're in. So, so now that manufacturers, and there were a number of lighting uh, um, manufacturers there that were showing um, the <clears throat> fixtures. And I think that's been one of those things we've been missing for a while. Yeah. And now that we've got that, I think that's going to really help our industry quite a lot. Uh, the motorized shades, when they came along, that that was another one of those things that was, uh, was uh, exciting and new, but now it's just sort of a part of what we do. And so sure. if you're not doing shades uh, in uh, every project that you're involved in, then you're missing out on uh, offering a, a really great experience for your customers. So and now, as we begin to tie all those things together, so whether it's shades and lighting and audio and video and home theater, all of those things now are getting to the point where we can do a lot more about um, about uh, artificial intelligence, if you will, mm-hmm. um, to be able to get voice control that actually works. And so the uh, name who uh, I will not say uh, that's right above me uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and others and, uh, and like Josh AI's product and that sort of thing, uh, there, there are a lot of differences between them. And things that we have to kind of remember is those things that we're buying from our uh, Amazon and, uh, mm-hmm. and all, all the other places that are out there that, that, that voice control is coming in, uh, uh, those, a lot of those things are not very secure. Uh, so yes, we can integrate with them if we need to, but uh, I think the what's coming and what's uh, a big part of like what Josh does is they're not putting all of their, um, all of your private information out on the web mm-hmm. and you don't, they don't have an open mic into your, uh, into your pr- most private moments. Right. Uh, so I think that's, that's one of the things that, that I noticed uh, also at the, uh, was that Guard Dog? I think was the name of the mm-hmm. uh, the company that was uh, there. That a, a number of our uh, industry folks have been working with though uh, them to um, on uh, more uh, internet security. And uh, so, so all the integration in the world that we do is great, unless it's open to the whole world. So I think the fact that it that people like Josh and Guard Dog and a lot of others are out there working to be able to make your uh your home automation system, your smart home, if you will, uh more secure for you and your family. I think that's that's a really great trend that I'm seeing a lot of right now. Well
0: great. Well I hey Bill, I really appreciate your time today. It's been been awesome catching up and uh getting to know your career a little bit better. And uh I know that uh Anytime you see anyone in person, you're happy to give them uh, some some sage advice on on things that you've experienced and stuff that you've seen. So um, if anyone wants to reach out to, to you and get to know you better or has a question for you, what, what's the best way to to contact you?
1: Well, I I'm always available at bill at billscare.com. So it's B-I-L-L at B-I-L-L-S-K-A-E-R dot com. And, um, that's probably the fastest way to reach me. Uh, although, uh, I'm on LinkedIn and, uh, I'm on Twitter, but, uh, you're not going to see me there very much because <laughs> I have so many other things going on. I'm not always the Twitter guy, right. but, uh, I keep up, but, um, uh, but yeah, just reach out to me by email or, uh, and my website is the same dot com. So you can kind of get a chance to see a little bit about what I've been doing lately.
0: Great. Bill, thanks so much for taking the time to chat today. Always my pleasure. Great to see you, Jeremy. Bill Scare, CEO of Bill Scare Home Theater and Technology in Dallas, Texas. That wraps up today's show. If you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the weekly podcast and consider rating and reviewing us on your favorite platform. Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at the magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the bi-monthly print or digital magazine and our Tuesday and Friday email newsletters. Until next time. Please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell.